title of the message today is Prayer is Where Action Is. Prayer is Where Action Is. Can we all say that out loud together? Prayer is Where Action Is. There are 168 hours in a week. And if you were to subtract a 40-hour work week, unless you're a, a mom, you have, then there's more hours, right? But, and some of you I know work more than that, but if you subtract 40 hours from that, you have 128 hours remaining. You have 56 hours of sleep, that leaves you 72 hours in a week. 21 hours a week for meals. 21 hours for meals. That brings it down to 51 hours. And if you, one hour per day, if you took one hour per day for prayer and Bible reading, that would leave you with 44 hours left to do everything else, right? I realize that we're busy and I realize there's a lot of things going on. But if you look at it this way, if you look at it this way, it, it tells you one big thing. It tells me one big thing. Where are my priorities? You know, because we've got everything competing for our time. And where, where is my priority when it comes to the subject of prayer? And when we bring up this whole subject of, of prayer in the life of a believer, I think it helps when we talk about priorities to know the reason why it is so important to have a prayer life. Why it is so important to have a prayer life. John Wesley said, God does nothing but in answer to prayer. Listen to that. God does nothing but in answer to prayer. S.D. Gordon said, prayer is striking the winning blow. Service is gathering up the results. I love that. Let me say it again. Prayer is striking the winning blow. Service is gathering up the results. That is profound. E.M. Bounds said, who has devoted his life to prayer and some wonderful books on prayer, said, God shapes the world by prayer. The prayers of God's saints are the capital stock of heaven by which God carries on his great work upon the earth. Wow. Prayer is where the action is. So in recent messages, I've been talking about the fact that in the beginning, God gave to humankind, God gave to man the authority and the dominion to rule over and to manage the planet, planet Earth. And then that dominion was fumbled and given over to Satan when Adam and Eve sinned. And Jesus Christ came and restored that which was lost And he restored it when he went to the cross and shed his sinless blood for you and for me. And we've talked about the fact that because of what Jesus did on the cross, that authority, that dominion was restored back to the church who is the body of Christ. And this body of Christ, the bride of Christ, uh, who will one day rule and reign with Christ, But until then, listen, we are exercising and training for future reign 
with Christ by overcoming through the means by which God gave, which is prayer. So, here is the bride of Christ, belongs to Jesus. He died for her, and we are a part of that bride that he is coming back for one day. And as we are training and preparing for his return, he is saying to us, if you will be ruling and reigning with me on the throne. But in order for you to train for that bride, bride of Christ, you've got to exercise your power and authority because that's what you're going to be operating in in the future. And in order for you to do that, you've got to overcome. And in order to overcome, you've got to do one thing, and that is to pray. Pray, 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 because prayer will bring the overcoming power of the Holy Spirit to help you to overcome whatever it is that you need to overcome. And so we see verses like 1 John 5, 14 through 15. Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, that's a big one, anything according to his will, he hears us. How many times do we pray things, but we're praying things maybe selfishly or praying things that are taking decades And then we pray for something that has to do with the gospel or provision for the gospel, and the the prayers are answered like that very quickly because it's God's will that we are praying for, and the miracles, God's into his mission, and he's into providing for his mission, and he's into funding his, his mission, and he's into bringing miracles to his mission because he wants people saved, right? And so those prayers get answered real fast, real fast. Amen. And we know that, we, that, he, that, that he hears us. Whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Do you remember in the Bible, in the book of Exodus, God had delivered, and in the book of Exodus we read that he is delivering the children of Israel. He raises up Moses to be that leader, deliverer to defy Pharaoh, to lead the children of Israel through the power of God and through miracles, through the plagues, to lead them out of bondage, out of slavery, to lead them out of Egypt and make a a trip into his promised land. And the purpose also in that, in God's restorative design, is that he wanted to raise up a Messiah nation, one that the Messiah would come out of. And so he would move them into the promised land. The Messiah would come out of Israel and ultimately deliver all of us. That is his plan. And Satan fought this all the way because he knew that if they got into the promised land, eventually the Messiah would come and he wanted everything to do to stop that. And One of those enemies, Amalek, if we look at Exodus chapter 17, verse 8 through 13, now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. Now, Amalek was a heathen nation, the Amalekites. They were descendants of Ishmael, and Satan used them to try to stop Israel. And Moses, verse 9, said to Joshua, choose us some men, and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill 
with the rod of God in my hand. Now, that rod was symbolic of the power of God. He said, I'm going to hold up this symbol of, of the power of God. Now, so you have the physical battle happening, and then you have the spiritual battle happening where Moses is holding up that rod, and the spiritual battle is on. So verse 10 says, So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. That was a strategic position to be overlooking the battle spiritually. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. The enemy prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy and weary, so he took a stone, and they, put, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat down. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side of his hands. And they were steady until going down, all the way to the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. I can imagine Moses' hands were probably very numb, even though that they were still there. Can you imagine holding up your hands that long? And so you have the physical battle. Joshua's fighting. You have the spiritual battle that's happening through prayer. And when the prayer agreement was there, the spiritual battle and the physical battle were both victorious. But when the hands went down... Listen, when the church stops praying, then we start losing. And when the church starts praying effectively, then we see breakthroughs, we see victory happen. I believe that a lot of the things that we've seen recently in our country where you see victories, and then all of a sudden, a few years later, it slides back down and we're in a mess again. I believe, and you see that in the Bible. You see cycles like that in the Bible. But I believe it's because the church prays, gets a victory, and then goes back to sleep. And then we start losing again, and things get really bad and really horrible and a mess. And we wake up again and go, what happened? Let's start praying. And had we been praying all along, it would have been more revival and more good things Happening, but we tend to fall asleep and we tend to let down our hands and start losing the battle as we've seen in this story. So, when God's people make prayer a priority, the church begins to win. Souls are saved and revival happens. I'm not talking about the church begins to win like the Crusades, I'm not talking about the church being militant and overtaking things. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the kingdom of God coming down because the church is praying, and people are surrendering and giving their lives to Jesus and getting saved. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I, When I say the church will win, and the church will expand, and the kingdom of God will, will expand, I'm talking about God's kingdom and people getting saved in there, and that's so important to define. When God's people pray, things happen. Revival happens. I'm so thankful 
in our own church, even more recently, Martha said, Pastor, I, we really need to get a prayer meeting going. We've done this in the past. We've had prayer teams and prayer meetings going. But I am so thankful, Martha, that you prodded me to do that because we've been praying every Saturday ever since we started that. And we've seen a whole lot of answer to prayer through those times. And we will see even more victories and more things. And if you want to join us on Saturday morning, we're here at, what time are we here? 10, 10 o'clock? 10 o'clock. And I'm here every Saturday. I play the guitar. We, we sing a few worship songs. And then we pray. We pray about specific things. We pray about our community. We pray about our church. Our, we pray about our nation. And we would love for you to, to join us. Prayer puts you in touch with what's happening in the world. I love that you can be praying in Auburn, California, and be touching India, and touching China, and touching Russia with the gospel of Jesus Christ by your prayers. You can reach out to areas and places that you would never travel to, maybe physically, but you can have great impact when the church begins to gather together and pray, and it puts you in touch with all of these things in our world. The only power that overcomes Satan and releases people from his grip is the power of the Holy Spirit. And it is the, the power of the Holy Spirit that not only is released, but it is released when and only through when God's people have believing prayer. So, you know, the devil isn't disturbed so much about me preaching about prayer as much as he's disturbed and scared of the church actually starting to pray. And when that starts to happen, watch out. Watch out. So we need to move into talking about it, into actually doing it. I'll have a little bit more to say on that in, in a little bit. But we must pray. I love the book from Paul Bilheimer called Destined for the Throne. If you get a chance to order that book, get it. You will. It is life-changing. There's a forward in there from Billy Graham, and it's a little book, but it is every page you will soak up. It is very profound. It's called Destined for the Throne. Listen to this quote from Destined to the Throne. He says, prayer is simply God's appointed means of accomplishing his work in the world. If he chose, he could act arbitrarily without regard to prayer or the lack of it. All power originates in and God in and God belongs it belongs to God in him alone. He ordained prayer not primarily as a means of getting things done for himself, but as a part of the apprenticeship program for training the church for her royal duties, which will follow the marriage supper of the Lamb. Unless she understands this and enters into sincere cooperation with his, with, let's see, let me, let me read it up here. Unless she understands this and enters into sincere cooperation of his will with God's play, plan of prayer, the power needed to overcome and bind Satan on earth will, be, will not be released. God has the power to overcome Satan without the cooperation of his church through prayer and faith. 
But if he did it without her, it would deprive her of enforcement practice and rob her of the strength she would gain in overcoming. This is God's primary reason for inaugurating the system of prayer and unequivocally binding himself to answer. Therefore, there is no authority apart from persistent believing prayer. So th- that is so profound, is so powerful, because God is saying, I'm not going to move in the earth without a partnership with the bride. And that partnership happens through the exercise of overcoming believing prayer. And so we've got to step into this, folks. We've got to, we've got to wake up to what's happening and be a part of God's program. First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, rejoice always. There's some beautiful verses about prayer. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God of in Christ Jesus for you. It is God's will for us to pray without ceasing. It is God's will for us to rejoice always. It is God's will for us to thanks. I've been reminded of that. Give thanks, give thanks, give thanks. Lord, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you. Philippians 4, 6 through 7, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. How many times Have you prayed through something and the anxiety of the thing that you were dealing with lifted off of you because you began to pray and God began to take that from you and began to work miracles for you on your behalf. So anxiety has a tendency to go away when we when we pray and and listen to the Holy Spirit. First John 514. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. I love that line that Billheimer gave in there. He said that God has committed himself to answer prayer. He's committed himself. So we need to pray because he wants to make it happen. He wants to see his will done on earth more than we do. And so we need to partner with him. Mark eleven twenty four. Am I the only one? Is somebody excited about this in the house? Praise God. Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Jeremiah 29, 12. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. Romans 12, 12. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. The New Living Translation says that. Keep on praying. Hebrews 4, 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of, of need. No matter how you feel, no matter what you've done, go boldly before the throne of grace and God will give you help. Don't ever think that you're not worthy enough or, you, or you've blown it or whatever. You go to the cross, you go through the, the cross of Jesus Christ and go boldly before the throne of grace and find help in time of need. And then here's God's phone number. If you ever wanted God's phone number, it's Jeremiah 33, 3. Call to me and I will answer you. Call to me and I will answer you. 
and show you great and mighty things which you do not. I've even heard songs that said, I, I called to the Lord and he didn't answer. No, that's not what the word says. Call to me and I will answer you. There's a whole subject on why prayers don't get answered. Maybe I'll go into that someday soon. But 2 Chronicles 7.14, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Amen. Listen to this, church. Matthew 18, 18 through 20. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, again I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. These are the words of Jesus. This is the promise of Jesus. And this is what we need to take with us right now. 